shot down said you never had the chance Took a ride on a suicide romance Could've sworn there was somebody home Facilitate the great unknown Well, mom, I ain't gonna meet you anywhere Don't know where I'm going yet But I sure am getting Well, I have not had the chance to talk to you before, so this is a uh, uh, this is a, a big one for me. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to uh, a nobody like me. Oh, are you kidding? Come on, man! It's a pleasure, my pleasure. Yeah. Well, how how are you doing today, man? And how how are the interviews going? How's press? Everything's good. You know, it's fun. You know, talk to some folks I haven't talked in a while, and uh, it's exciting to get back out and you know doing it. And you know, here comes the summer, so. Yeah, everybody's fired up. I first heard you guys, heard you, I should say, in, I think it was 2001. And you were opening for a little band called Train. Yeah. Little shitty club in Charlotte. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I was so blown away because being, you know, you know, kind of growing up as a metalhead, but then also being a deadhead and just always trying to open myself to new music. You kind of came out at, at that kind of sweet spot where it was like, it was like that kind of music needed to be back again, you know? And so like, I felt like it was like train and you guys and, um, you know, you know, bare naked ladies were, you know, had peaked already at that point. And it was like kind of coming out of this whole doom and gloom, you know, of like the nineties, and all of a sudden, the two thousands was like, dude, this is fun rock music, you know? Yeah, it was wild. I mean, you're right. Like the late nineties was kind of dominated by Lilith Fair, boy bands, grunge music, and really the piano was not on the radio. You know, it wasn't the seventies. You really didn't hear the piano anymore. And you know, when we went out with Superman, you know, we got a lot of pushback uh, from the label, radio, and you know, they're like, wait, you know we don't do this, you know, kind of piano ballads, you know, that's old, you know, old school. And it took a while for the song to connect, but, you know, it was interesting after Superman became, you know, very popular. And then certainly with hundred years, um, wasn't just me, but you really started seeing the piano come back on the radio, you know, piano, piano ballads, songs written on the piano, um, melodic music. Um, so yeah, it was kind of this kind of turning point there. And, uh, as you said, you know, we, we kind of got fortunate that the timing was right. Also with the nature of the song and, and kind of what it did for the, you know, for, for 9-11 and that stuff. But, um, but yeah, it was very interesting because I like you, you know, I grew up on classic rock, man. You know, I was certainly, I listened to Billy and Elton and Joni Mitchell and James Taylor, but you know, the, the records in my, uh, or the CDs in my car were, you know, Tommy from the who ACDC, of course, I'm still at, you know, Zeppelin's, you know, the the king uh, and always will be the king for me. Um, so, you know, so I kind of, I still, that's what I listen to. It's just so happened, you know, the, the songs that connected were the ballads. But if you listen to the early Fight for Fighting records, they're rock records. 
you know, with a ballad, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, so it's um, I think we come kind of from the same, the same genres. And, uh, you know, to this day, it's like, it's, it's classic rock all, all day, all time on my run tapes. So um, that, that's, that's what I grew up on. And that's what I'll, I'll take to my grave. <laughs> when I've talked to a lot of artists, you know, like bands, musicians and stuff, especially like the kind of like from my generation, it's, interesting because you know so like i've been playing folk music since 94 yeah i went straight from playing bass guitar in a thrash metal band to quitting to hearing the grateful dead for the first time and then going out and buying an acoustic you know yeah how many people that i've talked to that play this kind of music who grew up with that very similar kind of thing so uh, did you ever think it was kind of interesting if somebody kind of like discounted you at any point, like about how much you can like rock when you're just like, dude, I could probably rock harder than your face any day. Funny story, though. A couple of my mentors back in the day that you being a rock guy, you know, one of them was Rudy Sarzo. Right. So Rudy Sarzo. I love Rudy. He's yeah. great. So Rudy, I met Rudy right out of college. And mm -hmm. at the time he was in Whitesnake. Of course, you know, Ozzy and then, you know, Quiet Riot, Rudy, kind of rock icon. And we met in Malibu and he kind of became my mentor. He um, he was actually a closet Barry Manilow fan. He loves songs. He loves songwriters, you know. And so he appreciated what he was doing and he actually introduced me to some folks. And for a minute there, I was in a band with all the ex-members of Pat Benatar. Literally, Scott Sheets, go down go down the list. We, we started really? a band. I, I was 22. They were all 40. And we were writing like kind of Bon Jovi rock, you know, and I was a singer and we were kind of doing that stuff. We wrote some good songs mm -hmm. and we'd gotten a management deal and we were on the verge of getting a record deal. And then this little band called Nirvana came out mm -hmm. and uh, the whole the whole thing ended basically overnight, which and for me was kind of a blessing because then I went back to the piano and I started kind of writing uh, the songs that I'd always written, you know, as a kid, kind of the, you know, the piano balladeer. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I did that and I was honored to hang with some of the legends of rock and still do. I still, yeah. you know, still talk to Rudy and Scott and those guys and they're great pals. But yeah, you know, as I said, you know, if you listen to especially Message for Albert, the record nobody knows that came out before America Town, you know, I there's love rock. that record. <laughs> yeah, well, you're a rock guy, you know. <laughs> you know, basically I'm I'm much closer to Tommy at that point than I am to Yellow Brick Road. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so but so yeah, but it's just you know a good song's a good song, whatever genre you're in, Motown, heavy metal, singer songwriter, folk. It's always been about a good song for me, and um, and that's kind of where I focus myself and and try to write the best songs I can, and I listen to you know the greats, and they hopefully rub off on me a little bit. Before we get too deep into it, and you've done obviously you've been at this for a while. Five for Fighting has you know been putting out some amazing music over the years and but you get all asked a lot of the same questions i'm sure so like what is like one question that you get asked so much that you like die inside a little every time you get asked it <laughs> well if i wasn't such a huge hockey fan i'd be kind of annoyed with where does fight for fighting come from you know but um but then i get to talk about you know you know my love for the la kings and a fight that inspired the band name and all, all my pals in the NHL. And uh, so of course, you know, people, where does the band name come from? Or are there five guys? Um, but of course it's, it's the obvious question, you know, why, why is it five for fighting? Not John, you know, 
So, you know, I'm, I, I expect those questions. Of course, people want to know about Superman and the concert for New York, which is a question I would ask. So, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I came to this success at a very late age. You know, I was a 15-year overnight success. I struggled. I grinded. And really, I, the stars had to align for me. So, you know, I'm a, grateful for any question because <laughs> I, 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 I suffered for so long. So the fact that the songs still resonate and that, you know, I can still do a show and sell a ticket, you know, I, I don't take that for granted. And um, to be able to still be doing it, you know, 25 years later, it's truly a blessing, you know, that I try to impart to others. I think that's an incredible attitude because believe it or not, it's actually quite surprising how many artists, like when I ask that question, they either have the answer right away or they say the same thing. They're just like, you know, like, I'm I'm just happy to talk about whoever, you know, whatever somebody wants to ask me, it's their dime, you know? Yeah. Like, so, you know? yeah. Well, so, so I'll be honest, like, I lost kind of touch with you guys. Like, you guys, uh, you know, and of course, I say you guys, because I refer to everybody as you guys, even if you're yeah. a solo guy. But, you know, you, you kind of dropped off my radio, radar after the release of Two Lights. And it wasn't because of anything wrong it's just because again you get so overwhelmed and you know oversaturated by music and when i got asked to interview my first thought was like god i need to go catch up and listen to some of this stuff and it was like a late christmas for me like i loved oh, it like because i you. felt like i got to go unwrap a bunch of gifts that i forgot i had and you know and that's a very honest statement for me. And I was wondering, do you hear that sometimes from fans? Like where you're like, oh, I, I, I just kind of rediscovered you again. And now I'm all over you. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, it makes sense. You know, we didn't have as big a hits after Two Lights, you know. Um, very blessed to have, you know, Superman, 100 Years, The Riddle. Um, but Two Lights didn't have a song that big. Um, and then the, the Slice, again, had Chances, which was mm -hmm. a... A big song and you know the blind side and but it wasn't 100 years superman that kind of right. everybody knew and then even the the what if you know the 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 bookmarks single so it mm -hmm. makes sense you know um and uh and yeah you know certain people come and go and frankly it's so interesting with the two latest songs you know the afghanistan song and the ukraine song yes 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 neither neither of those songs got one spin on the radio but they got tens of millions of views through television and interviews, Good Morning America. So it was fascinating to see so many people, you know, who had not, you know, even were aware of the last 10 years of music or whatever. They all kind of came back when they saw, you know, you know, whether on, you know, cable news or television or YouTube or Twitter, these two kind of new songs that, um, you know, as I said, I had nothing to do with radio. So, you know, they kind of came back and it was interesting to see people kind of, oh, yeah, you know, what are you doing now? And and people kind of rediscover the catalog. And also, of course, the next generation, right? You know, with, with Spotify and all these algorithms, you you still have kids who are kind of discovering the music for the first time. And, and that's exciting, too, to see, you know, people at my show who weren't born when I wrote the hits. <laughs> so, you know, that's always kind of heartwarming too. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 you know, you just keep finding new ways to get your music heard and you try to write songs that have an impact and you might have to change the paradigm of how that impact is going to work in this day and age. It's a lot different than it was 10, 15 years ago. And mm -hmm. kind of have to come to grips with that, that, you know, you know, having hits on the radio for us kind of guys, you know, in the 50s and 60s, it's, it's 
really not going to happen unless it's a fluke. And so find other ways to be motivated, find other ways to connect, inspire, get your music heard. And I think once you kind of do that, you can kind of find that that joy and that kind of energy to to keep doing it. And um, certainly playing live also kind of gives you, you know, the shot in the arm every night, um, mm -hmm. singing songs and having people sing your songs back to you. So, yeah, it's been evolution. I haven't written a ton of songs, as you know, in the last five, six years. I've right, some, right. Some television. You know, I did the theme for Y50, their 100th episode. Mm -hmm. I've done some some movie songs. But I'm kind of at the stage of my career now where, you know, I, I kind of write them when I feel inspired to do it, uh, which is nice. I don't have a deadline. I don't have a record company, you know, uh, on my shoulder. And um, we need an of, album. Like yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a new sense of freedom. Um, yeah. And also the, the expectations have changed. So so it's actually kind of a it's kind of a uh, creative place, you know, mm -hmm. with all without the weight of the industry and the pressure of of having to have a hit and that stuff. So um, I'm enjoying it and kind of more inspired to make music now than I have been in a long time. Being a songwriter myself, I've never, obviously I've never been on a record label or anything and had that pressure, you know, to do that. And I can't even begin to imagine the, the amount of weight that comes on top of somebody who is creative, who is like, okay, we need an album. We need a hit. We need this, that, and the other. And did that ever kind of taint you as a writer, like make you feel like, okay, I'm just going to have to put stuff out quick that I'm not crazy about and hope for the best. Or was it one of those things where you felt like you worked best under pressure? Like, that's a good question. I think about that. Um, certainly the pressure after Superman was kind of immense. Um, certainly coming off a song that had that reach and cultural mm -hmm. impact. And it took a couple years and it was traumatic. And, you know, I got kind of almost almost got dropped from my record company and I was a lot of stress. It took a couple years and I'd made a record with Bill Bottrell. Right. And, but, but I also knew I also knew in my heart that we, we had we didn't have the song yet to follow Superman. We had some nice songs, but we didn't have a song that could stand on its own. The same guy, but not a regurgitation of, of the hit. A lot of. A lot of songwriters, when they have their first hit, they try to just regurgitate it. You know, they write the same mm -hmm. song again, hope for the best. So it took a couple of years, you know, to come up with 100 years. And then once 100 years was successful, um, now I wasn't a one hit wonder. You know, I, I had some songs that, you know, they chart top 10 songs, but none of them kind of reached 100 year Superman level. And I always right. think about, you know, did 100 years come because of the pressure? Um that like if if it doesn't happen, it's over pressure, mm -hmm. and then you get a little comfortable. I mean, I listen. You know, we could talk a lot about artists. You know, Elton John and Billy Joel when they went into their kind of pop phase, mm -hmm. um, where I thought they lost their mojo. Yeah, um, is that because there's no? You know, they have a zillion dollars, they have a bunch of hits, nobody needs to prove anything, mm -hmm. or is it just they're trying to stay with the times, but. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't have a great answer, but I do think, you know, that pressure, you know, whether it's do or die, forces you to work and forces you to have angst and may help the creative process. On the other hand, um, having a little comfort knowing that um, you're kind of free to create without it all going away, you know, but you two always said, we're, you know, we're only one record away from having to get a real job, <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> You know, so 
So, so I, I don't know. I think, I think pressure is good. I think angst is good. It can be debilitating. Um, but so much of having success in music is, is beyond your control. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, if Superman would have come five years earlier, it probably wouldn't have been a hit. Um, right. So it's really the zeitgeist of the world and the listening public and, and, and tipping points. So Again, it's not a great answer to your question, but, you know, I think handling the pressure and dealing with it um, has some advantages, but you can't let it consume you or you'll be paralyzed. What I loved about what you said is that, you know, it it can kind of be twofold, like a double-edged sword sometimes. Like sometimes that pressure can be good and motivating for a time where you might be kind of like uh, a little slow on the caffeine or whatever, you know, but that push, but at the same time, like I couldn't even imagine what the pressure is like to come off of a hit song and be yeah. expected because again, and and uh, maybe you relate, maybe you don't, I don't know, but I mean, I can, as a songwriter myself, I can only imagine that like, cause like when you write a song, you don't really write a song with the intent of being like, okay, this is going to be the one. Right. Because it's, it's from someplace there in that moment that just captured it. And then, for some reason or another, it got picked up and related to. So now you're being asked to replicate that when you're like, well, I didn't really plan it the first time. So like, how do I plan it for this time? Right? Yeah, I think, you know, I think, first of all, you got to write lots of songs, right? You can't be obsessed <laughs> on a couple of songs. I mean, I'll write a hundred songs for the 10 you get for a record and, right. and maybe I won't finish them all, but I'll start them, I'll, you know. So you can't be so kind of obsessed on, okay, here's this little one. I need to tinker with it for six months because it really doesn't matter. So I guess do a piano vocal, guitar vocal with the song, you know, 80% lyric, you'll know, you know, you know what you have. Um, I do think though, there are certain songs that you listen to. And then this is where producers are critical where you're like, okay, this has the bones of being a popular song. Um, there's certainly songs that I've written on my records where I know, I'd love this song to be a hit, but it's not going to be, you know, like Devil of the Wishing Well, for example, was an example of a song we actually put out as a single. And, 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 and I knew in my heart in this day and age, you know, if it was 1978, probably the song could have been a hit. But, you know, in 2007. <laughs> but so there's certain songs, you know, but then when you have a song like 100 Years or, or, or even Superman, you want to craft it in a um, in a way that lends itself to being a hit song and 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 what that means is you just you know it's it it's you know the structure of the song kind of lends itself to what popular songs are it's not bohemian rhapsody it's not seven minutes long um right. how you produce it um where other songs you can take more artistic license with the production because you're like okay this is for me <laughs> you know right, right. I, I always feel like on, a, on when you're making records on a record company you can you kind of give them two songs maybe if you're lucky three that can be the the songs you go to radio with who knows if they're going to be hits but then you have seven or eight songs that okay this is what i got into for the first place and th- here's my artistic expression and here's the rock song and you know here's the you know the the dark side of the moon song and mm-hmm. and um and so you have more kind of artistic fun with those. And of course, for me, those are usually my favorite songs on albums. But but mm-hmm. there is an art to crafting a song that that can be, you know, has the, the has the bones and the sound of something that can be popular, but also something that is is that you're proud of and true to yourself and fits with the record. It's it's the hardest thing in the world to do. 
um, or everybody would do it. But so that was kind of our process when we were making records back in the day. And, and, um, and yeah, that, that pressure knowing that, you know, at least for the first two records, you know, if you don't have a hit song, you know, the record company will not like let you make another record. So that's always in the back of your mind. Songwriting is a very personal thing, you know, and it yeah. comes from a very be- deep place. Even the silliest of songs or whatever, it comes from a personal story or personal memory or anything. And one of the things I see a lot these days is people like wanting to take songwriting lessons and things like this. Like, can someone really be taught to write a song or do you feel like that that lesson is that the best lesson is internal and like, kind of like how, how you probably did it too, right? Picked it up from the people you love the most. And when you got to playing music and inspired, you were like, okay, What's their structure like? Okay, I'm going to try this, you know, because it's a very traditional structure in some ways to songwriting, right? Yeah, there's two forms, you know, A-A-B-A, A-B-A-B, you know. Um, I think there's some things you can learn about songwriting. I'm actually teaching a class to some Chicago kids right now. Yeah, about structure versus choruses, um, how to structure, you know, kind of lyrics, concepts, you know, starting with melody, starting with lyric, starting with concept. I think there are tools for creativity that apply beyond music that that I tell songwriters to um to attempt change your environment, right? Go go someplace different and your 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 songs will reflect that that environment whether it's inspiring, whether it's, you know, depressing. Um I used to go to Lake Tahoe all the time and I'd write songs and and they were they were cool songs, but they were 20 minutes long cuz I was like in the mountain head, you know, and you know but it just shows how creativity um, is reflected by environment. You know, the value of the subconscious, listening. I get so many great songs from just listening and you're walking down the street, you hear people ca- talking and they say a line and you're like, oh, that's a title or mm-hmm. observation. Collaboration is great because you get a different, you know, kind of worldview and into the songs. So there's, I think there's a lot of tools for creativity that you can apply to songwriting, but the best way to become a good songwriter is to write tons of songs. And the hardest thing to do is perform them um, because we all write a song and sit in our room. Wow. It's let it be. It's amazing. But you really don't know what you have to you perform the song. Or if you, if you're, if you're not a performer, you, you have some, somebody, you know, perform it. Um, and you see very quickly the flaws of the song uh, when, cause it, it hits you in their gut when people aren't reacting to something that you, you thought, Oh, this is it. And you also see, um, the other side where people respond to something you're like, wow, I didn't think this was an A song. So, right. you know, I, I always tell songwriters, you know, write a ton of songs, record them because you got to be able to listen to them back. It doesn't have to be a master demo. It could be a piano vocal, but play them live. And then you will learn everything you need to know about that song. Um, but that can be hard to do for folks. It's it's scary, <laughs> but that's kind of my process. You know, and th- that's a great way you put that too, because I've actually been taking some kind of some songwriting uh, courses or so with a, a good friend of mine who's a songwriter in Nashville named Marissa Nadler. And I kind of dragged my feet towards something like that. And one of the things she did tell me was kind of like you said, she was like, you know, after hearing some of my stuff, she was like, you know, you're kind of boxing yourself in sometimes. And she was like, let, let somebody come in and push you a little bit outside that box a little and kind of show you something else because, you know, again, I guess it's just like any other skill, right? Like if you learn it yourself, you can only do so much until 
you run out of things and then someone's like, okay, well, I can help you a little bit progress. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to edit yourself, right? It's hard to wear the producer hat and the writer hat, you know, cause what I, when I'm writing songs, you know, I'll write a song, then I'll put it away for two weeks and I'll come back to it and listen to it with a fresh ear. I'm not so deep in the song. I'm kind of lost in the minutia and, and also challenge yourself to write outside your genre, you know, you know, give yourself, give yourself, all right, here's your homework, write a song with two chords. You know, um, there are, there are kind of tricks to force you to um, kind of use different skills and, and, and get out of your kind of songwriting um, called kind of a loop. I mean, cause we do have this inclination for certain chord changes, certain progressions, certain melodies that just kind of come natural to us, you know, write a song on the black keys, you know, um, st stuff like that. I think those are kind of good songwriting techniques instead of, you know, have somebody tell you your song's good or your song's bad. It's like, it's all subjective. Everybody passed, everybody passed on Superman, right? Okay. So it's like, you know, you also have to have a certain gut about, okay, this is what I really like and want to do. And you don't want all the voices in your head. But it's nice to have a couple people you trust who you believe can give you some some honest, you know, critique. And and if it if it resonates with you, you go with it. If it doesn't, you're a songwriter. You're like, hey, this is my song. So um, you know, it's always a work in process. But as I said, you just gotta keep writing, keep writing, playing them, enjoy it, enjoy the process. Um, don't let it bog you down because it can get frustrating, but it it is the greatest profession in the world. It is the greatest profession in the world. To me, there's nothing more gratifying than like going into a venue, whether, you know, I was playing to a couple hundred people or I was playing to 10 people that when you would play a certain song that you could just look and know that the minute you made a connection with those oh, yeah. people, you know, and you've been touring for, like you said, what, 25 years now and going back and listening to the catalog of the albums that I missed. One of the things I was very happy to see was that you never stayed within this box that I was just talking about. Like you found ways to go outside of that box, but yet every time I heard one, I was like, yeah, that's John. That is a five for fighting mm -hmm. song. It might not have been the hit song. Yeah. But so did all the touring over the years and that connection to people, is that what was it allowed you to progress and grow like that? If that makes sense or. I think it's just an evolution. You know, mm -hmm. you kind of get tired of doing the same thing. Uh, you want to grow as an artist. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you want to go too far out of the box where it just becomes, you know, something different. You know, I'd love to make a heavy metal rock record. You know, as far as I can go is like Queen. All right. That's kind of my like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's my ceiling or <laughs> or floor. Um, um, but um, but yeah, I think you just want to try things different. You know, I started I wrote some stuff for for uh for Broadway. I was doing this musical. Um, you know, I did some television stuff where this they need a different genre, wrote mm -hmm. some country songs with some country songwriters. Um, cuz you're always trying to expand and and I did some really cool collaborations with some amazing people. So you're always kind of just, you know, push yourself, right? Don't get comfortable in this little thing. Okay, this is what I do and 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 even to this day, like the uh, the blood on my hands, the Afghanistan song is something totally different. I mean, it's a mm -hmm. protest song. It's um, I there's no falsetto, you know. It's 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 me, but it's not what I I'm known for doing. Um, exactly. So it's like and and those things, you know, kind of keep you vibrant and and keep you excited about uh, making new music.
You have mentioned the Afghanistan song, and I that was on my list next to talk to you about it. I loved that song so much because being a folky myself, yeah, it reminded me of that that there is very much, especially in the past 10, 15 years or so, has been this resurgence of artists who are kind of like kind of similar like what Bono and all that, you know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna wear my thoughts on my sleeve, I'm gonna sing about it, and if it pisses people off, sorry. But this isn't to piss people off. This is to for the people that need it and want yeah. it. And so that's kind of a th- bit of thin ice to walk on as a songwriter. And so when you were writing that song and when you released it, were you prepared for any kind of any of the backlash that you would get or any kind of like, man, you should keep your politics out of music. And Of course. I mean. Everybody told me not to release the song except for my daughter um, and uh, and one other person. Because um, it wasn't to me a political song; it was a moral song. Um, yeah, exactly. Of course, yeah. Of course, in this day and age, everything's political. And and as you said, you know, of course, there was one tribe that embraced the song and one tribe shunned <clears> the song. And and I was prepared for it, um, but I thought it was too important to not put out. And I'm glad I did, because it did become a voice for our Afghan veterans who were so angry that their brother in arms were abandoned to the Taliban. Mm-hmm. And and I had no expectation with the song. I didn't think it would become I don't I just wrote it and put it out. And as you said, the song's much more closer to a 60s protest song than a 2020 kind of pop song. And and um and when it was embraced by so many of, of our veterans, and I actually became embedded with many of these groups rescuing people, mm-hmm. it, 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 it was the most powerful experiences of my life to, to, to do that. And it really showed me how music can matter. And I also knew, too, that if, if, uh, if, if it was Republican administration that, that kind of did the same acts, that the song would be the same, only the names would change. Mm-hmm. And I knew, frankly... I'm, you know, that many of the people shunning it would embrace me for that. And many people loving it would despise me for that because mm-hmm. we live in such a political tribal world. But I'm lucky enough to be at a stage of my career where, as you said, you know, it's, what are you going to do? OK, cancel me. Fine. Don't buy my record. You know, don't buy a ticket. It's like to me, you know, 25 years ago, would I have put that song out? Honestly, probably not, because I would have yeah. been kind of worried about my career and my livelihood mm-hmm. and and you know financial security but you know i'm fortunate to be in a place where you know i can say what i want and the funny the ironic thing is when you know that afghanistan song kind of led to the ukraine song mm-hmm. and me going to ukraine because the organization that i was doing the rescues with for afghanistan went to ukraine mm-hmm. was providing humanitarian aid so they took me there to make the video and then all of a sudden some of the people that love me for the afghanistan song didn't really like me for the ukraine song and people that didn't like me for the U- afghanistan song come on my tv show and play the ukraine song and it, it was just like a good lesson in this kind of ridiculous world we live in and as a songwriter to at least for me don't get caught up in you know because they'll love you one day they'll hate you the next and mm-hmm. um but people that respect um respect people's opinions whether they agree with them or not um, I think appreciate it. And and many people who maybe not, don't share my politics, once they hear where the song came from, both of them, they might agree, not agree with everything, but they appreciate um, where it's coming from, um, a, a place of honesty and, and a place of humility. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think we frankly need more of that because, frankly, many of the best songs uh, in history uh, talk about cultural issues. 
and um, oh, yeah. nobody should be afraid to 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 state an opinion at the expense of their career um, or their reputation. I think that's incredibly said. That was really beautiful the way you said. And, and by the way, John, I really respect you for that because I grew up listening to the whole Laurel Canyon folk thing. Yeah, me too. Yeah, my dad was a folky. He hated the Beatles, like because yeah. my dad was just like. <laughs> Oh, they're they're pop. No, the the real stuff is you know Crosby still, you know, it's like. But when I go back and listen to those songs, which I still hold very dear, you know, like you know, I mean, you had what, like you have Ohio, you know, you even yeah. go back for you have Eve of Destruction, you have um, you know, for what it's worth, you know, all these incredible oh, yeah. songs that made statements for the time, and it's really nice and for me. To hear when I heard the Ukraine song and the Afghanistan song that I, I just remember going, oh, it's so nice to hear someone just like come out and just be like, you know what? I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. This is what I'm feeling. And here, do what you want with it. You know, there used to be something they used to call that something. It was called rock and roll. And um, there's not much of that anymore. Everybody tries to toe a line and, you know, kiss a ring and virtue signal. It used to be mm -hmm. rock and roll when you said something that was controversial. Now, frankly, you know, the people, the Rolling Stones of the world that used to celebrate rock and roll are now the gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. You know, they are the man. It's so weird how these kind of rebels are now the man basically telling you what, what you can say and what you can't. So, you know, I, I prefer to be the, the rocker of the 70s and the 60s who, as you said, wrote songs about history. And, and whether you agree with their point of view or not, they're a way to look at history and understand history when you listen to those songs. And you, 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 know, you understand the, you know, what's going on, you know, Marvin Gaye, Credence, right? Um, you get a sense of the times and what, what people were feeling. Um, and we, and I said, I think we've lost a bit of that. But, um, you know, all you can do is, uh, is write your heart. And let the world follow it where it may. <laughs> Just keep doing it. Someone's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, John, you're hitting the road with Bare Naked Ladies and Delamitri. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was just like, am I 21? This is insane. <laughs> like, this is crazy. Like, how pumped are you for that? And also, being that you're giving, you're, you're kind of doing a support set, how the hell are you going to pick a set list? You know, it's really, you know, we haven't done these kind of support acts in a long time for that exact reason. Because, you know, last year, our summer headline tour, you know, we play 90 minutes, sometimes almost two hours and mm -hmm. can play the deep cuts. I can talk a lot about the songs and, you know, play the Ukraine song with the, the audio from from the orchestra in Ukraine. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, how do you get down to 45 minutes um, in an opening set? Well, we'll find out. Um, <laughs> but I do, um, I actually am looking forward to playing a a rock summer fun set with my pals and the Bare Naked Ladies have, you know, uh, we've shared agents for years and they're wonderful people. Mm -hmm. um, we've met, we've done some shows together. And so kind of, I'm kind of looking forward to like, let's just do a, a summer set of just rock and roll. We're outside. Here's some songs. Let's sing together. Maybe we'll have a moment or two of kind of introspection and maybe some, you know, mm -hmm. something kind of, uh, we'll play the Ukraine song to, to have a moment, but it's not going to be, um, it's not going to be, you know, two hours of that. It's going to be, here's some songs, you know, here's some guitar solos. Here's uh here's some fun. Here's a moment of reflection. And um and hand off the baton to BNL because you know they they certainly have one of the best live shows uh going anywhere 
you know, whether it's 1999 or 2023. So, um, so we're really looking forward to it. And, and frankly, the pressure of, of not headlining with, you know, still the COVID bubbles and stuff. Last year, there was a lot of that, you know, so I'm kind of looking forward to be just one of the guys. Let's play some songs. Let's have some barbecue and let's uh, roll to the next town. So <laughs> it should be great. Just a good sweaty rock set, man, in the middle yeah, of summer. <laughs> well, like I said, John, it's been a, such a good treat to talk to you. Yeah, I've really enjoyed talking to you as well. It's, I, please come to one of the shows and come meet the guys and hang out. And we'd love to to, to see you and, and have you in person. And um, you're always in, you know, uh, set, send us the info, bring some friends. We got a big guest list. And uh, yeah, it'd be fun to chat in person. And um, I think yeah, I think you'll enjoy the show. It was such a treat to rediscover those songs and to come to know you again. And um just thank you for the music and for everything you do because it it really does mean something to people and I'm I'm very privileged to be able to tell you that so well I appreciate that thank you very much and um, thank you Don to you and all your listeners you know I really enjoyed the songwriting talk and I think I'm going to go listen to some Grateful Dead you got me in the mood so uh, I'll go I'll go flip 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 on some Jerry <laughs> thank you Don take care brother Sure.